and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie. And Jen. Oh, you know what I forgot again? Podcast music. I'm sorry, I'll do it for you. Are you ready? No, just forget it. No, I'm doing it now. Okay. Did it, did it, did it, do? Do, do. Sorry. I don't mean to. Yes, you do. A little bit. I guess I don't mean to. It's not on conscious purpose. (laughs) (laughs) It's on conscious accident. Mm Mm-hmm. So, which one do you want to do today? What story do you have today? I have a story about a murder in Taylor, Michigan. It was at a Burlington Coat Factory, a co-worker shot. Oh my gosh, I think my cousin my cousin Brandy used to work at a Burlington for, you know, like, um, Christmas help because I guess it's bonkers at Christmas and they do, like, seasonal help. Really? Yeah. I found out that I have to worry about boyfriends, okay. husbands, and now... Coworkers? Coworkers. <laughs> I will never get into an argument with a coworker ever again. <laughs> because they will do something crazy? Yeah. Like, just up and shoot you. I have one that was suggested by a listener named Scott, which is Richard Sharp Shaver. And I didn't make that up. Middle name Sharp, last name Shaver. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and let's just say he's a real special guy. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you do yours first and I'll be the palate cleanser. I don't think... Sharp shaver is a palate cleanser. Next to murder, he is. (laughs) But that's the only time, because otherwise, no, he's not a palate cleanser. (laughs) Sandra Waller, she worked at Burlington Coat Factory in Taylor, Michigan. She came into work one day and had started to have an argument with her co-worker during her shift. This was October 15th of 2017. Okay. The fa- Wait, 2017? Yeah, so it's recent. Wow. I didn't... That's why I said we need to be concerned about how we talk to our co-workers. I will change my ways. <laughs> <laughs> the argument was about how to properly scan an aisle. And Lorraine, that's the name of the co-worker Sandra got into an argument with her, was telling her what to do. And Sa- Sandra said... You know, you can't tell me what to do. Like, one of those kind of arguments. Oh, my gosh. I actually had a, an argument like that with my coworker named Barry. And at one point, I was like, oh, yeah, well, you're telling me what to do. I've already done it. <laughs> <laughs> so she had this argument on October 15th. They ended their shift. They came back the following day on the 16th. The argument continued with the two of them. Oh, so they start to argue together the next day? Yeah. I can understand that. Sometimes you're like, didn't like you yesterday? Don't like it today. (laughs) So this was before the store opened. Their argument had escalated. And Sandra just all of a sudden pulls out a gun and shoots Lorraine in the chest. What? That's how she was going to solve that problem. So Lorraine was taken to the hospital. She was pronounced dead on arrival. Well, I bet. And Sandra, she knew. She at least, she didn't try to run or anything. She just stood by the front door waiting for the cops to come. Dang, that's how you know somebody is ready to kill another person. Like, I'm so ready that I will kill you and just wait here for the consequences. (laughs) Yeah. Dang. So Sandra pleaded guilty to second degree murder and a felony to firearms violation on February 2nd of 2018. She received two years for the firearm charge, charge and 16 to 40 years for the murder charge. Okay, good. Because sometimes when people murder other people, they get very little time or probation. Yeah. So at least she got 16 to 40. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. I was researching online. found this article on the New Republic magazine. 
that was written in 2015 where it stated workplace murders in the U.S. were rare. They're a rare occurrence. Okay. In 2013, there was 4,585 fatal injuries, which included 404 workplace homicides. 322 of those were intentional shootings. Dang. So saying you need to be nice to your coworkers. Yeah, because here in America, about 323 times, somebody will shoot you if you fight with your coworker. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And you never know who's carrying a gun. And I am the type that will argue. And you're right. You don't know who's willing to take it to the next step. Yeah. Damn. I like to be, like, I'm mad at you yeah. as a coworker, And then I like to go home uh-huh. and then restart the next day. Okay. So I don't like to still come in mad at you. Me? I'm going to just, like, when the alarm rings off, mm-hmm. it's a new day. Okay. So if you were an ass... Yeah. I'm going to forgive you. And then if you're asked again the next day, we're going to repeat. But it's not going to be for the same offense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I also don't keep punishing somebody, but I will, like, the next day I'll probably just ignore or avoid you. Like, whatever. Try not to make eye contact. That's a good plan in case they're carrying a gun and yeah. want to shoot you. Well, maybe you should keep eyes on them at that point because <laughs> then you can at least see them coming. But, yeah, if I argue with you, like, on Monday, on Tuesday, I'll probably just avoid you. But if you do start to argue with me, I will not be able to contain myself and we will once again be arguing. I mean, I look at it this way. Yeah. You don't like how I'm doing something. I don't care. That's true. I'm still getting a paycheck. That's if my true. boss isn't yelling at me, I could care less what you say. All right. Oh, that's Come true. Come scan in the aisle wrong. All right. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. I've literally said stuff like, let me do what I do. You do what you do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got a story that has to do with... All sorts of things from um, underground cave-dwelling people, UFOs, and books that are written on rocks. So, before you start, Mm -hmm. I did, there is a YouTube video where they're talking about this guy and what he believed. Richard Sharpshaver? Yeah. And I, yeah, it was bad. And I ultimately passed this story to you because I just couldn't do it. Yeah. The guy's... Interesting. Yeah, it took me hours just to get the timeline right, okay, because it is so confusing to me. Yeah. But let me tell you. So, okay. Richard Sharpshaver was born October 8th, 1907 in Pennsylvania, but, you know, he really comes on the scene in the late 1940s. But the whole plot twist, this is why it's, like, so crazy, starts in 1932. We're going to set the scene here. And he tells different stories. That's one of the reasons why it's hard to figure out what happens. He has different stories all the time about how certain things happen. So there's no there's no actual source of truth. That's one of the confusing things. But the most common story that Richard told was, in 1932, he's working in a factory. And I'm like mostly sure it's in Detroit. He's in Michigan at this point. And while using a welding gun, the frequencies of the vibration of the machine began to allow him to hear the thoughts of the men working around him. So the welding um, machine, the welding gun, set off certain frequencies. This enables him to hear our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And after that moment, he began to receive a telepathic record of a torture session done by a subterranean species deep in the earth. Yeah, so he heard underground people torturing. Yeah, underground people. I hear those people too. Yeah. yeah, all the time. 
There's lots of people who think they do, and that's the other scary part when I'm doing this. So in early 1934, Richard's brother died, and Richard began to struggle with mental health issues. I get that. Grieving, depression probably, maybe some anxiety. Mm -hmm. But in voices... But Richard's wife admitted him to the Ypsilanti State Hospital in Michigan later in the year of 1934. Now, I did not know there was a state hospital in Ypsilanti. Me neither. And I'm starting to think, well, I didn't know if it meant, because I didn't I didn't look it up because I, that would have been nice. But I didn't know if that meant old St. Joe's or old U of M hospital. I thought maybe one of those turned into, but I will look that up and put it in the show notes because you're right. I'd never heard of Ypsilanti State Hospital. Yeah, where would that actually be at? Yeah. Interesting. And when when Richard was older, he would explain his actions at the time as due to shock and heat stroke from working in the factories. And he insisted he only stayed in the hospital for two weeks. So it was only just two weeks, and it was just because he was in shock and he was grieving and it was hot out. But Richard's biographer would later find evidence that he spent a lot longer time than two weeks in the hospital although nobody could find the exact length of time. And nowadays, with our current privacy laws, you can't look into somebody's hospital stay. That's their own private record, so we won't know. Richard's wife, Sophia, died, and her parents took custody of Richard's daughter. And he later married twice, and he divorced twice more. One of his wives, I do know, left him after she found out that he had spent time in a mental hospital, according to the article. But I thought, that's really well, shallow. Well, shitty. Well, I thought, yeah, that's really shallow. And like, then I, I realized... Oh, you were in mental hospital. I can't be your, yeah. your wife anymore. Well, I can't be your friend. Yeah, well, considering the stories that he tells, she had to know something was up. I mean, I don't, I don't think that was the reason. I think that's just maybe the reason someone gave. Because in 1943, Richard wrote a letter to the Amazing Stories magazine claiming that he discovered an ancient language that he named Mantong. Man... Mantong? Mantong. And he claims that Mantong is the source of all earthly languages. Each Mantong sound has a hidden meaning, and by applying a formula that he created, you could decode the secret meaning of any word in any language. I need to learn this. Yes. Well, an editor for the Amazing Stories magazine named Ray Palmer says he used the formula on different words, and it worked. So, Ray wrote Richard Shaver back, asking him how he knew about the Mantong and the formula. And Richard sends back a 10,000-word document named A Warning to Future Man. That spoke of an extremely advanced prehistoric race that had built cities and underground caverns here on Earth. This is where I got... Like, lost when I was listening. Yeah, it was not easy, yeah. let me tell you. <laughs> the prehistoric people, the Taros, then abandoned Earth due to the damaging radiation from the sun, but left behind some of their children. And I wondered why. I couldn't find out why. Would you leave your kids behind? Yeah, and did these people underground uh-huh. tell him that's their name? Oh, Taros? yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, oh, I will get to the point how Richard knows all this, too we got to know. He doesn't just hear things. Oh. Yes. He doesn't just hear voices. That would be too simple. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So they leave because of the, damning radiation, the damaging radiation from the sun, but they leave their kids behind. Like, for that's, real. But yeah. that's the story. And over time, the Tiros people degenerated into mentally impaired sadists that are named Daros. So, okay. 
<laughs> so some of the beings remained taros or okay. good. Good people. But most of the cave dwellers became Daros. Well, they're in a damn cave. Or evil. Yeah, well, now, not to mention, you guys are inbreeding. Well, not really, because I'm going to tell you what else happened. But you guys... <laughs> now, the Daros, these are the bad guys, uh-huh. are known for their savage behavior, kidnapping Earth's surface dwellers and bringing them to the caves as food sources or for torture, entertainment. And actually, they grab women a lot, and it's not... It's not for tickle fest. So is it like they're taking these people at night, or just, they're just walking down the street, and all of a sudden you get sucked down one of the sewer drains? The Daros use ray machines left behind by the fleeing Taros to spy on humans and to use the ray, and they use the ray to project ideas and to torment human thoughts. So you could just be walking along, all of a sudden you're feeling bad about yourself, you're having all these horrible thoughts. Someone hit you with the ray beam. That's what happened. Oh, okay. Yep. And the underground dwellers could decide, um, disguise themselves as human, although many of them were too deformed to pass as humans from above ground. And the Daros are responsible for all the misfortunes and disasters suffered by humanity. Oh, finally, somebody I can blame. Yes. Above ground human women were often targets for the Daros. Shavings, writing, shavers' writings often include rape and sadomasochistic sex. So he's sick. Yeah. Yeah. So the Daros would occasionally leave Earth and they would have contact with extraterrestrial beings that are just as evil as okay. they are. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. They exit their caves from yeah. underground the Earth uh-huh. and go into space. Sometimes, yeah. Even They, may, they must do this at night because remember the sun is damaging to them. Yeah. So they, they do that. Now Richard explained that there are two additional pa- uh, planets in our solar system. Two billion miles past Pluto. And the farthest planet named Quanto is inhabited by a race of Nortons or Norman, and they are unable to stand the Earth's or the sun's rays in any way and do not visit Earth, but they are out there. Okay. Yeah, and they're evil too, but they're out there. They can't even get to Earth because we got the sunshine. Yeah. Interesting. So, and Richards insists that all of his manifesto is a true story and that he spent several years as a Daryl's prisoner. Ooh. Yes. Richard also believed that in a past life, he had lived as one of the cave dwellers. Okay. Uh-huh. Hold on. Uh-huh. Are you going to tell us, like, how did he become a prisoner? Well, he doesn't doesn't explain that. Oh. Just know that that happened. That, that he's, just that, that happened. Yeah. He was a prisoner. Yeah. But no information on what his life was as a prisoner? Well, that's actually all in the, the um, Warning to Future Man. That's what the manifesto was about. Oh. Yeah. And what people are saying is because he did disappear for a little bit. I'm air quoting disappear, which nobody can see. They think that was him in the mental hospital. That's where he disappeared to. <sighs> yeah. So Ray Palmer, the Amazing Stories magazine editor... Mm-hmm edited and rewrote the manuscript that Richard Sharpshaver had sent him, so that 10,000-word document, A Warning to a Future Man. So Ray said he didn't change any of the main elements in the story, but he just added an exciting plot to the information. So that's... I don't know why he doesn't think this is exciting. All right? <laughs> what the hell? This guy should have been a writer. Yes. And Ray renamed the story I Remember Lemuria and published it in Amazing Stories in early 1945. Oh, so he took the guy's story and... Yeah. Added a plot. Added he a he, plot. He said he didn't change took, it. Uh-huh. Well, took credit for it? Uh, no, he gives Richard some. Mm. Um, it was a hit and the magazine sold out. I mean, it was a hit. People loved the idea of sadomasochistic women raping 
aliens living underground causing all our problems. Oh, nice. Yep. And for the next four years, and I wrote an oddly large amount, because to me it seemed oddly large, an oddly large amount of readers wrote into the magazine to verify Richard's claims. Anywhere from 50 to 2,500 letters a month came into the magazine about Shaver's prerogatives on underground dwellers. So this is really resonating with some people. Okay. okay yeah. The underground caverns are were known as hollow earth. And others claim to also hear the voices of the Daros slash Taros talking. So good and the bad talking. Other people have heard them too. Hmm. And the Shaver Mystery Club societies were created in different cities. So this thing is hot. Wow. This is like, yeah, the next level under Mickey Mouse Do Club. Do these clubs still exist? Some may, but they existed all the way oh, through. I want to join. Okay. Well, you know what? We should try. We're going to try. The magazine has a huge boost in circulation while this is going on, right? Because people are just buying up these magazines. From 1945 to 1948, two-thirds of the magazines published as Amazing Stories had some part of Shaver's story of an underground society. Well, of course, you got to keep those readers. Exactly. On the flip side, there was once a letter-writing campaign to stop the publication of the stories because some people were just sick of the whole premise. They're like, okay, that's great. Let's move on to something else. Yeah. In 1947, a man claimed to have seen UFOs near Mount Rainier. And Ray Palmer was quick to point out that the UFO sightings were an authentication for the Shaver mysteries being real. Because the Daros were known to have spaceships and relationships with extra, extraterrestrial beings. So this, this spaceship that this man saw in Mount Rainier, Ray Palmer's like, see, like, just like we said, there's UFOs. Where's Mount Rainier? I believe it is in Washington. Hmm. I'll have to look that up. I hope well, I wasn't wrong. I could see an invasion in Washington. It could happen. In 1948, the magazine sees publication of all of Richard's stories. However, the Shaver Mystery Clubs kept going strong. See, that's why I said maybe. The Shaver Mysteries were part of a popular radio show through the late 1950s. I think that's what I listened to was a radio show. Yeah. So John Neville, who hosted the show, thought it was an entertaining subject, that hollow earth and all that was an entertaining subject. It was not. But he was skeptical during the entire, <laughs> during the entire run on whether or not the stories were true. So he would never play into that. Story. How do you even question if it's true or not? So many people believe this to be true. So Ray Palmer from Amazing Stories was still printing Richard's stories in a different magazine called The Hidden World. And the magazine put out Shaver's stories with very little editing this time. So basically it was the 10,000 word document that he's putting out. In the 50s and 60s, people had mostly forgotten about the hollow earth theory. And Richard begins looking for physical evidence to back up his claims. He believed that certain rocks were created by the ancient taros, and inside the rock were legible pictures and text. He called these special rocks rock books. Rock books. Yeah, and I hope it didn't take him all night to think of that one. Richard wrote about the rock books, took photographs of them, and painted images he had found in them to demonstrate their importance. He had a rock book library in which he would send the rocks back and forth through the mail to people, with the package containing detailed descriptions pertaining to the rock it, it contained. And there have been exhibitions of his paintings and photographs in the years since his death. And Richard Sharp Shaver's writing influenced several other writers, as well as a Japanese horror movie and a class of monsters in the role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons. Which I'm actually 
learning. Oh, I'm so learning how, to, learn play how to play. I'm already learning how to play Dungeons and Dragons. That was just a nice this, intro. This whole rock thing makes me think about what's the show? It's um, the Shark Tank. Yes. And the guy that went on Shark Tank yeah. for a business where you could order a potato and have a message written on it. And the potato, you just, like, put a stamp on They put a stamp on the potato and, like, send it like a postcard. Yeah. You can actually send anything you want through the mail in that manner up to so many pounds. I'm going to send you a rock. Okay. I just thought, I didn't know if I was going to add this. One guy talks about when he was younger, he was seriously into, like, the Daros, the Taros, the Hollow Earth, and he had contacted Richard Shaver asking for some of the rock books in the lending library. And when he got it, he said it looked like somebody had used, like, epoxy to attach some paper. Like, you could even see some paper coming out from underneath one of the things. And after that, they really had a falling out because he's like, you're a fake... Huh. You were shellacking paper to rocks and saying that they're stories. When did this guy die? When did Richard Sharpshaver die? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. He died, I think, in the early 80s. Hmm. So. It's crazy. It really is. All right. But I'm going to be listening for little people. You should. They're there. Well, hopefully you get one of the taros, not one of the daros, because the taros I know, guys. right? I don't want to be a prisoner. Yeah. Especially because they're going to rape you and hurt you. But they're going to love me. And yeah. be like, actually, that's a lie. They would kidnap me and then be like, please let me, please leave. <laughs> right. And, You'd be like torturing them? Yeah. Yeah. All right. You've been listening to Michigan and Other Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Connect with us at michiganandothermayhem.com to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access the show notes, find site links, correct us when necessary, rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Bye-bye now.